0: of the Be A Better Ally podcast. On this episode, we are sitting down with two parents and educators, and they're going to talk to you about their experience of reading a few different types of books with their young children. Uh, the three books are Tango Makes Three, Worm Loves Worm, and Julian is a Mermaid. We'll provide links to those books in the show notes if you are interested in checking them out yourself. Enjoy.
1: what is see? Uh, seven Okay, and it's only like before like went from nothing to like oh when did you learn to read mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really good yeah, um, but we've always had a routine with sort of my eldest and Indy he's now ten about to turn eleven where I, we read every night mm-hmm. you choose a book and I choose a book and I choose a different book every night and they choose the same book every night <laughs> so <laughs> uh, yeah repetition and it's important but the books that they choose, they choose from the library, or mm-hmm. they bring from school, mm-hmm. uh, but the books that I choose are normally ones that, because we've got a selection at home, so mm-hmm. even though I'm choosing different books, they're on a rotation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we have 106 6 Raphaeus 3, and same, like we've always read A Bedtime with both of them. Um, yeah. Milo brings home, he has a book home from school every day that he has to read, and that goes back the next day. So he always has to read his book first. Um, And then he usually chooses, like, he's got way too many opinions, it shouldn't be allowed. Mm -hmm. He, like, chooses then what he wants us to read um, from something at home. And same, it's usually, like, same old stuff. But they are very into, we're very much, like, into... Lego, Lego movie, Ninjago, Batman, that's sort of <laughs> where they are at the moment and what they want to read. And, okay. Like we've had a conversation before about how I sort of have a feeling that his, um, the kind of ideas, relationships, families he's exposed to at school um, are very narrow and I guess I started to think more about his reading a, couple, a few weeks ago, and he brought home a book that, a story that was based on an Asian kid. And I was like, oh my God, this is the first like non-white kid I'm reading a story about, ever, from a book that you brought home from school. Um, and I just thought, that's messed up, because that's when I look at your classroom, like <coughs> all, all those kids were all reading about like, little white families in the UK, um, almost exclusively. Um. Yeah, so I was thinking more about mixing up the things that he's reading and just trying to. Before those ideas are, uh, like, concretized to be like, mm. what about this or, what about that?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, just exposure at a young age is really mm. important to all different types of relationships, backgrounds, like, whether or not... One thing that I haven't, I mean, talking about sort of queer relationships or single mum relationships, I don't think of, I can't think of any book that I've picked up or my children have brought home that has anybody with any sort of um, differing abilities mm. in it. So I mm-hmm. don't see that represented either. Mm-mm. So...
2: No. Mm. And most of the things they're reading, there are no girls... Mm-hmm. at all, um, and if there is one, I'm talking about the books that they would choose at home mm-hmm. now, you know, all the kind of Lego stuff, Um, there's one, there's like the token girl who has some sort of unnatural ability that means she is able to be part of the boy gang, or she's sort of quirky in some way, like it's never casual, mm-hmm. and I suppose that would be the thing, like this... Tango Makes Three and and the other books I've ordered for them are still about that kind of relationship, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I suppose ideally you just, it wouldn't even need to be about that, it mm-hmm. would just be, well these are the characters in the story, like you, it wouldn't even be a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I was really conscious of that after we'd read um, Tango Makes Three, that. Obviously, I wanted to like sit him down and grill him on it and say, like, so what did you think about this and what about that and how did you feel about it? But then also just wanted it to be completely normal and not, not make it this sort of special, different thing that we'd been reading. So I thought I'd been really casual about that. And then he kept choosing it to read, which was nice. And then I said to him... Um, Afterward, read it again, so, do you like this book? And he went, oh, God, you've asked me that, like, a hundred times. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was like, okay, maybe I haven't been as, as casual about it as the thought.
0: Yeah.
2: And there was a moment, the first time we read this book, and it talks about uh, how Mr. Gramsci, the zookeeper, looked at the two penguins and thought, they must be in love. And, and Milo, like, gasped with a smile on his face and turned to me like he was... Like he liked it, but he was like, oh. "He obviously that was something completely different for him," um, and very noticeably so. And then the other one, what's it called, Julian? Julian is a mermaid. That his reaction to that one was very different, and how he how he felt about the difference in that. And so it was interesting to me to see how some of his ideas already are a lot more firmly set than others. So the sort of relationship idea in, in Tango Makes Three, he was really interested in particularly, to sort of know that this was something that really happened and he was quite intrigued about the sort of different ways um, of making a family. That was an interesting conversation. Um, but he was quite uncomfortable with the sort of the gender implications of that one and sort of almost visibly, like, reading it, a bit squirmy, like, that was a bit difficult for him, and he felt uncomfortable with that and, and and didn't want to read that one again and said, no, mermaids, that's in the girls. Like, he was... I can't remember what word he used, but certainly gave the impression that he was thinking about it as, like, physical spaces, almost. He was like, no, that's in the girls' area, or something like that. Like, he... Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, something has much more firmly taken hold there in terms of girls and boys as opposed to families, so keep
0: working. Yeah.
2: And it was a little bit different for me with Indy. She was
1: fixated on the fact that the penguins, like, how cold does it get? Is there snow for them? Like, it was more about the fact that they were captive animals and she was more sort of mm. on the mm. animal rights front. <laughs> animal. <laughs> so it's funny what they <coughs> choose to sort of yeah. hone in on. Is similar with um Worm Meets Worm because in the book they sort of talk about the wedding cake and it's like, oh, don't be silly. Worms don't eat cake, they eat dirt. And Indy was like, that's not true. They're in soil and they do eat, like, you know, mm. just because she's had first-hand experience. So I was like, okay, that's your takeaway from the book, that's fine. And mm. like you, I didn't want to sort of, you know, make it, well, can we talk about, you know, yeah yeah head? I
0: wanted her to... That was great that that was normalised for her. Would you actually recommend any of those books to other parents to read with their kids?
1: All of them. Yeah, well, the, why wouldn't I? There's nothing in them that, you know, I find that would be confronting or would be difficult to have a conversation. One of the things that's really important for me is I would never have purchased or gone out of my way to look for those sorts of books if they hadn't have come home through the school. Mm. So I think that's really important. Like the books that I choose is, um, I suppose, being um, I'm Australian, my husband's British, we live overseas. I want them to have some connection back to, you know, Australia or the UK. I try to find a lot of Aboriginal dream time or I look at sort of mm. things like Wind in the Willows <laughs> <laughs> you know, from the UK, so those reference, but I've never sort of made an effort to... Mm. sort of branch beyond that so these being in the school library and being sent home I think is so important because even though it's not that I didn't want to have those conversations or exposure to them I hadn't sort of made a deliberate effort to do that.
2: Mm. Mm. I think that whole that sort of pushback that you're talking about just comes from this sense of uh, of queerness is like an adult, something very adult that we're almost kind of pushing on to kids that they don't need to know about or wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. Um, and also, I guess, isn't too far removed from that other sort of, misnomer that it's just that if you're talking about this then you're talking about sex and that those two things go together and so therefore completely ignores the children in those classrooms like the Julians or whoever who need to see themselves in those stories and completely ignores the children from families who don't see their families in those stories so yeah I think it's just coming from a sort of ignorance about the, the makeup of the classroom and the homes that they come from and therefore then this idea that to expose them and like I've sort of mentioned before like I don't got mixed feelings about that word but that to expose them to these kinds of characters and stories therefore is disruptive in some way and inappropriate yeah it's just it's wrong
0: <laughs> for young children almost the experience of just reading is enough that like you were saying you had almost had to push the idea of having the conversation after but otherwise maybe your son would have been like we're just reading a book yeah you would you say that's kind of similar with with Indy?
1: yeah very much so it is it's just reading a book I mean, you think about the some of the ludic- ludicrous things that are featured in books that just aren't like. I mean, we read about dragons, we read about fairies; they're not real things. But this is like, I mean, we're talking about family units, relationships, feelings. Um, I mean, there's nothing here that's sort of sexual. It's just there's it's just love, acceptance, and mm. I mean, I haven't read Julian as a Mermaid, so I'm I'm not sure what that is particularly dressing, but just in terms of family units I know that for um, Indy she still likes to role play with um, sort of you know other girls her own age about like relationships and families and they never talk about sort of um, sex or it's not sexualized in any way it's just about how do we care for something how do we cook you know it's all those sort of Mm -hmm. like little cliched role plays that that kids go through it's just you know, they talk about playing mummies and daddies, but it, it's not about being a mum and a dad or a boy and a girl. It's just about, like, oh, let's let's cook something or let's, you know, mm. go to the shops together or let's, like, create a house or a cubby or
2: yeah. anything like that. So I don't know. But then I guess the flip side of that is if you are, it's, it's this sort of repetition isn't it the sort of cumulative effect cumulative effect over time if you are always seeing a particular dynamic yeah. and it doesn't necessarily matter if it's two bunnies or if it's a mummy and daddy but if just that's you know maybe it's it's not even something that you notice when it's just a story at bedtime but the repetitive effect of that and then what gets solidified in your imagination in terms of what is possible what is normal what is different Um I think yeah I've been quite alarmed to see that happen yeah um, and I felt that I've I'm now sort of struggling to to counter that I think because I feel that that's a narrative that he's getting from from elsewhere and then I'm trying to sort of open that up but At the same time, like, the cement is, like, setting, you know. So it's difficult to...
0: Can can you say more about how that presents? Because I'm also thinking a number of parents would hear you say that and be like, what are you even seeing? What does that mean? Like, can you just give us an example?
2: Yeah, so I guess hearing things from my son about... Boys don't, you know, whatever it is, but that kind of speaking in a more like categorical collective way about what girls and boys do or what they're like. Um one thing that I just found I found really upsetting the other day actually we have these photo books at home um that I do by the year and there was one of him when he was two and he had dressed up as my three-year-old does now you know they go in my wardrobe and dress themselves up so you have my handbag on and um and he'd put some lipstick on, and it's a really cute little picture, and there's me and him mm-hmm. posing. And so we were looking through this book together, and then he got to that one, and he quickly closed the page. And I said, why have you done that? And he said, oh, I don't want you to see that. I don't want you to see it. Um, like, and there was a shame. There was a shame there Yeah. that was not there. You know, and it's sort of come from somewhere that it's now he has a sense of you don't do that. Like, it was wrong to do that. And the fact that he didn't want me to see it was... Yeah, I was sort of a bit blown away by that. But then other things that sort of give me hope is when in the first day of the school holidays and he'll ask me to come and paint his hands and toes. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think those things, and it's... I think there's something quite intuitive in that, like I definitely felt perhaps when he was about five, this, he wanted to categorise things, he liked the Mm. idea of boundaries and labels and Mm. boxes and names for things, it felt like that was something he was doing quite intuitively, so there's that part to it, but then that sort of intention with, yeah, the box can be bigger, (laughs) or we can just put those all in one big box together rather than needing to divide them up.
1: But, yeah, so Finn recently put on a pair of, he's got the same size feet as me, and he Mm. came down in a pair of my heels. And I said to Andrew, don't say anything. He's like, look, I've got the same size feet. And he's, like, prancing around in the heels. And we're like, didn't want to make a big deal of it, like, whatever, you know, this is, like, totally Mm. normal. And Indy's like, you can't wear girls' heels. So she was the one that was like, yeah. that's not right. There's girls and they're boys. And I was like, no, he's got the same size feet if he wants to, mm. you know, put those shoes on. And she was like, oh, okay. And that was it. So yeah. he ate dinner in a pair of my heels And <laughs> But if I'd taken a photo of that and had tried to sort of post that anywhere, I think he would have been mortified. It's like even mm. when they're wearing... Pajamas around the house, and the doorbell goes. They're like, Oh my god, I got um, this isn't appropriate for me to be wearing pajamas yeah. at this, like at two o'clock in the afternoon. So they feel the need to change. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: when do you, yeah, it's just sort of normalizing the yeah. different sort of aspects of being comfortable with anything, sort of identity, or you know, where. Boys can, like, I know when we are in Scotland, Finn was like, men wear skirts here. Because you've never <laughs> seen a kilt before. And I was like, yes, men wear skirts. Well, and he's like, oh, okay, you know. That
2: was it, end
1: of the conversation, men yeah. wear skirts.
2: <laughs> but interesting what you're saying, like, with Indy's reaction, how they also, say, yeah. like, police each other a little bit. Yes. Like, I see it with Milo and yeah. his friends. Like, it's not necessarily coming from an adult influence, but they will sort of nudge each other back into their understanding of, boys you know, boys, boys do or don't do this, and girls do that. Mm.
0: But I don't know how often parents sort of talk to each other about the kinds of books that they're reading at home. Like, is that something that ever comes up within parent groups or with friends who are parents? Um, I should...
1: Not so much sort of the this age of books, but when you start getting into novels and they start chewing through those, I actually borrow books off other people because I'm like, oh, that's not in the library. Do you have, you know, the 13th Story Treehouse, the first three of those? And we're sort of swapping and sharing. So that's the only time I've ever really sort of discussed books um, with other parents is really just seeing mm-hmm.
0: What else do I give my 10-year-old to read at the
1: moment?
0: So. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, since both of you seem to have thought more about it, if I'm a parent and I'm listening to your conversation, what do you think is a really, just a good starting point for me to then question my home library or my practice of reading with child? Like, what do you think is an important consideration for a parent to have if... I feel like what you're saying at the end of the day is you just sort of want your kid to be open to the idea that your lived experience is not everybody's lived experience. But then as a parent, how do I know if my reading with my kid or our library is actually supporting that or not?
2: Because I kind of feel like if you've once you've asked that question, you can't unsee it. Like, But it's getting to the point of asking the question that is the the difficult thing, I think. Um, I think once you start noticing that and then you start looking for it, you're like, oh my God, this is, you just start seeing propaganda, like heteronormative <laughs> propaganda in every single book you're reading. Um, and it's difficult to to then unsee that. Um, but how, how you encourage people to get to that Get to the question. Like, I'm just thinking of conversations that I've had, and I see much more of this sort of almost congratulatory or self congratulatory attitude to have children live up to a more sort of stereotypical or normative expectation. Um, I feel that's more where conversations are can you give me an example um yeah the sort of um half proud eye roll of like boyish behavior for example or again the same kind of attitude of like talking about boyfriends and girlfriends and they're five and Mm. you know yeah that that sort of thing and then so then feeling like these kinds of questions are unnecessary or being sort of pushed on something that doesn't,
0: mm. doesn't need it I don't know how much influence do you think what you read with your child has in the way that they actually think or see the world at the young age that they're at
2: like me personally
0: yeah How much influence do you think what your son is reading actually impacts his worldview? One to five.
2: What he's reading everywhere or what he's reading with me? Both. I think it does have a huge impact over time. Just in terms of that sort of repetition Mm -hmm. of what he's exposed to um, and sees as normal. I think in terms of my influence, I don't know, it's po- possibly waning as he gets older and I know that he'll, you know, if we're having a conversation, he'll say, well, Freddie says. Um, <laughs> Freddie's five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, no, Freddie, Freddie says. Yeah. Like, that is the absolute gospel, gospel truth in his mind, so... I don't know. I have to be a bit more like subtle and and manipulative in the kind of conversations that I have with him. And then I also wonder, um, like this is kind of coming from me, and I wonder how different it would have been if he had been reading that book with his dad. Um, if that would have been a different conversation, um, yeah, rather than it just being me.
1: I think the it's for me it's like a huge influence. I'm always referring back to book scenarios that we've read and it's just like when they're questioning things we're outside, it's just like, but do you remember in the book when we were, oh, yeah, so it's just sort of a nice sort of reference point for us to go back to. It doesn't matter what it is, what we've read, about relationships or travel or feelings. And, I mean, for me it's a really nice way to... Discuss um, something that like a feeling or an emotion that they might have that they haven't had yet But I can use that as a point where I want to talk more about this with you before it happens to you. So I wanted to normalize that with you So if you are come across anyone that makes you feel like this or if you start to feel like this Then you're not alone, you know, or if you have a friend that feels like that then this is some of the Yeah, so I suppose it's being sort of manipulative in the way that (laughs) I'm sort of like, right, I'm going to use this book as a tool to sort
0: of open up and discuss about. Yeah. If you are interested in learning more about ways to use books as tools to spark conversation and discussion, please do check out the rest of the resources in this week's Be a Better Ally newsletter and subscribe if you haven't done so already.